This week's episode is brought to you by the Spirited Advocate Podcast. Welcome to another episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I am your host, Perry, and with me, because it's Thanksgiving, is a real-life turkey. Say hello, turkey. Uh, nobody has to worry about anything. He's already been pardoned, and he's safe. How are you going to live your life this week, turkey? Yeah, well, I know. You really shouldn't You shouldn't do that. That's that's cannibalism. That's not, that's not good stuff. Swan has the week off. He'll be back next week after the holidays. Happy Turkey Week. Happy Turkey Day to everybody who is in the U.S. and anybody outside of this region. Well, happy just another week, I guess. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in this week, as you always do. But hey, if you are a new listener to the podcast, welcome. If you have not yet, please subscribe so that new episodes hit your feed every single week without delay. We appreciate anybody who is new here to the show and also all of you returning folks. You're just you're just the best. You know that? I mean our new our new listeners are pretty good. I just don't know you all that well yet. But, you know, all relationships start with the the first time the other people meet them. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little giddy because this week's episode features one of my favorite interviews that I have gotten to do on the podcast, period. It's funny because I feel like Thanksgiving week episodes have been kind of new, no, notorious for, um, <coughs> excuse me, for really fun and exciting interviews the first uh, the first year that we did this uh, was with uh, with Dixon Deadman of Kentucky Owl, and he was just extremely gracious uh, with his time, and now is a great friend of the show. And this year. We have an interview with Neil Giraldo, who is an award-winning musician, the husband of Pat Benatar, and just really a legend in the rock and roll scene. And we got to have a great conversation together. I'm going to go ahead and knock out one of our segments before we move into the interview itself. And that is, what have we been drinking recently? And recently... Oh my goodness, I am so excited to have gotten to try the bottled version of our very first podcast official pick. Was that phrased the right way? I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> and it was this new riff bottle. Uh, it's going to be released to the folks, sent out to the folks who uh, prepaid for it uh, earlier on this year, a couple months back. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm super, I'm super, super excited about this pick. Uh, it's a new riff bottle. It's just over four years old, 106.4 proof. The label, well, the sticker rather, is just gorgeous. And it's so fun. It's just such a good time. You guys are really going to enjoy uh, this bottle if you are able uh, to still get one. We had a few extras that we weren't expecting uh, in our pre-sale. So if those are still available, we will definitely get those out to some other folks. Uh, shoot me a message at my bourbon pod or this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com. And we will be happy to see what we can do for you. As I said, we have this really fun interview with Neil coming up soon. But first, a word from this week's sponsor. 
The Spirited Advocate podcast brings together people from all parts of the distilled spirits industry to talk about top issues facing everyone from distillers to consumers. Whether it's diving into how each spirit is made or chatting about their favorite cocktails, host Chris Swanger brings top leaders in the industry from Louisville, Kentucky, all the way to Ireland and everywhere in between. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts or visit distilledspirits.org to learn more. I am incredibly excited to be welcoming this guest to the show. Oh my goodness. This this has been something that has been kind of, I would say, in a nebulous state of of a dream for me, just wanting for for this interview to happen. And finally it did, Uh, not just for the bourbon side of it, but for the music as well. Everybody, please welcome to the show, Neil, and is is it Geraldo? That's it. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. I was so worried I was going to mispronounce it. You but, got that uh, right, Peter. I, I, you got that oh, right. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> Before we started recording, Neil uh, called me Peter. It was a whole thing. But, um, yeah, we're good, That's though. That's a long we're story. <laughs> I, hope I, I hope I don't turn your, uh, your nebulous <laughs> moment into a nightmare. <laughs> no, Neil, I'm super excited to be able to sit Thank down you. with you and get to get to talk not just about bourbon, but about your uh, your music. <laughs> excuse me your musical journey as well i'm already Thank getting choked up but yeah. uh <laughs> i've only had a sip of rye so far so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had to have enough that's why <laughs> absolutely absolutely so uh let, let's start out just by talking about you and, and who you are because um while you are well known in small to you know fairly medium circles you're also very prolific uh, in in the music world and and now with your your foray into into bourbon as well and not just bourbon but uh, rye and, and other spirits in, mm-hmm. included but uh, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of introduce yourself as well. Sure. All right. So I, I call myself just a racket maker from Cleveland, Ohio. That's all. <laughs> just having to get uh, get lucky. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I started, uh, I started playing music when I was young, six years old. My father and my parents gave me a guitar when I was six with the idea that I can do uh, duets with my sister who played accordion. Sure. And then we can entertain our family and friends uh, <laughs> at our house after church on Sundays <laughs> and uh, yeah, gatherings, you know. So right. that's how I began. But there was a, I had a disruptive uncle in a very good way. He was only four years older than me. So that while I was learning Italian songs, he says, here, I think you need to listen to the Yardbirds. I think you need to listen to the Stones and the Kinks. And then, right. you know, before you knew it, I was I was entering the rock world. <laughs> and even before that, with Scotty Moore and Elvis and all the other things I listened to, you know, when I was a kid. Sure. Um, we used to get um, singles, uh, 45s from the right. Woolworth store. And my mother would buy my sister anything she wanted for a dollar, and I could get anything I wanted for a dollar. So I would get the singles or 99 cents. So there's 10 singles in the, wrapped in cellophane. Right. So you didn't really know what was on the inside of these. So you knew, but even then I didn't know. I was just, you know, eight years old. One on one side, I was getting John Lee Hooker. I was getting Muddy Waters in there. I had oh. no idea. I was getting uh-huh. all these great records, and I would just put them on, listen to them, flip them over, and then I'd play the other sides. Sure. So I was I was fortunate fortunate to have my uncle as a, as an inspiration and a, and a guy that really helped mentor me. You know, I was really yeah, important. Yeah, absolutely. My parents. So I've been musical my whole life. Yeah. That's all I've ever known. And <laughs> thank God, because I I'm a horrible carpenter, but uh, <laughs> my father was a carpenter, Sicilian carpenter. 
Oh, so wow. Okay. Yeah, so when I used to get kicked out of school and things like that, he would say, come on, you're going to work with me. Grab me that two by six. And I'd say, what's a two by six? <laughs> I don't know what that is. So, so I got lucky and I was able to have a career in music, which so- I love. Tell me about the the accordion over your your right shoulder too. Is that one that uh, that belonged to your sister? The box? No, no. That's just that's a button box. No, it's that just the box. Over. Yeah, that's just the <laughs> box. Yeah, I like. I actually started playing accordion because I was um, when my sister would play. Uh, her timing wasn't very good, so I. <laughs> <laughs> You're out of time. I was a producer even back then. You're you're playing out of time, so give me that thing. And I would, as a little kid, I would put it and I'd play the keys and I I throw the other end of the bellows over, and I would play and I would lift the bellows up, throw play a little more, and throw it over. And That's I, great. Yeah, it was funny. Do, do you do you still have your first guitar? Uh, no, I don't. That was an acoustic yeah. harmony. Uh, I don't have that one. And um, and then I got an electric after that, which was, I, it, what the heck was that? a K or something. Sure. Yeah. It's just a, it it worked. It's funny how, and, and this is very much true of, of bourbon as well, but the, the, the older guitars, those vintage guitars, the ones that people were just like, it's nothing. It's, you know, the K, the harmonies and and whatnot. You go down to, um, you know, the, the shop and get, get one for $10, $15. And, people right. now are like that's what i want i want that piece because it feels so much more than just this this old instrument it feels like a work of art it feels like a like a piece of history well um, that's true and i'll tell you the reason some of the reasons why that is um one day i shut my emails off because they're so one doink <laughs> that's fine go back here um the thing is, is with, you know, the blues greats, the people that we listened to growing up as a guitar player, absolutely, they were playing on not expensive equipment. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, they weren't always in tune. But see, that was the beauty. There's there's a note here, and to the left is one side of note, to the right. You get the blue note on either side, absolutely. whichever one you prefer. So a lot of times you're trying to emulate that with, you know, I see people getting real expensive guitars, young kids trying to play the guitar and, and they want to sound like that. You're not going to sound like that. No, you got to It's first of all, it comes from your heart, your soul and your hands. So, Absolutely. You know. the, the, the first time that anybody ever explained to me that what we hear on Robert Johnson albums, Robert Johnson records is more than likely not what it actually sounded like just because of the, the tapes speeding up or, you know, something was out of tune or, you know, that, that just, floored me but then you think about these people now like um the the british musician jacob collier who just 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 flourishes in in semitones and he flourishes mm-hmm. in the the that space in between notes in between. correct too. and and it's just fascinating to me not just you know as a music lover but also as a musician because i i you know it in songwriting it's not something i always think about you know, correct. And I, I, I get as so many of us do caught up in everything's got to be perfect middle C, exactly, exactly in tune. Right. Well, you know, the, the 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 yeah the problem with this and a little bit of the problem with you know the modern music that's going on, especially in the pop market right now, is people are getting so used to perfectly sung vocals, Absolutely. perfectly timed mechanical stuff things so there's no ebb and flow there's no there's no danger because it's all lined like this 
I, I tell young people when I'm, they're asking me questions about producing, songwriting, all these things, I says, if you should hear a Rolling Stones outtake CD, I say CD because not records, you know, bootlegs, <laughs> and hear what each guy is doing on their own, you think it would make no sense, but together, absolutely, it worked. And 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 even going further back, I mean, listening to the Beatles during their recordings, uh, recording sessions rather, that blows my mind. All these little pieces and all the layering and that that musical wall of sound that mm-hmm. they created during their their tenure, it just baffles well, me. Part, and, the beautiful part about that is the George Martin was able to to let them just go and experiment put it in those places that need to go you know and uh, that's 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 a critical thing that's one thing when i was growing up um i i never thought of myself as like a virtuoso on any instrument i play you know i play guitar i play piano i play drums accordion you know i play many different instruments i only used them as tools because even at a very early age it was always about parts Absolutely. And, and, and this is what goes with the Spirits Company, too, which we'll get to as well. But yeah, it's of course, about of course. Where you see things. Some people do it with colors. They hear things of blue, red, green, yellow, these. I don't. I do landscape. When I wow. write a song or if I arrange something else or produce something, I know where everything is going to be before we do it. Right. I have it. It's in my head. I got it. I have it perfectly where it has to go. And I also show people, too, when I do little seminar things, is that if you remove one little, uh, maybe a guitar riff or a little piano thing, you remove it from a song, can make a dramatic change Absolutely. in the wrong direction. Absolutely. So it's all about little pieces, you know? When, when, I, we, when I talk about this same concept with other, other bourbon crafters, other spirits crafters, um, the one thing that always kind of comes up, and I attribute this mostly to Dixon Deadman, who founded um, Kentucky Owl, I, it's a good one in in oh, Kentucky. Yes, <laughs> and I'm very lucky to call him a friend too. So, uh, but he uh, he'll say you know, <clears throat> with with blending, one plus one doesn't always equal two. Correct. Sometimes it equals five. Sometimes it equals negative thirty, and mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no there's no exact science to it. And I I can't remember who said it. I think it was um, the the guitarist Matt Stevens said, "Creating an album is like trying to find the door to Narnia. It's never the exact same way twice." Correct. And I, I'm I'm always fascinated by the intricacies of producing. What what truly got you interested in the production side of of creating records, creating albums? Yeah, one song in particular, Heartbreak Hotel, Elvis mm. Presley. When I heard that coming out of a Wi-Fi, my, my parents' hi-fi system, I was walking down the street, the lonely street, to Heartbreak Hotel. The bass was so rich. Elvis's vocal was so separate, had a great reverb on it. It was just, the, the piano was just, it just got me. And I became... Bigger fans of Sam Phillips, you know, George sure. Martin. I, yeah. I got of the producers versus the players because I, <laughs> I started doing a where I would, I, you know, learned. Obviously, I listened to people's 
playing and I would, you know, emulate that. But then I would listen and I'd figure out what part are they missing in there? What would they do if they, maybe you should try mm. this. So I tried to always try to come up with different parts. Sure. And it was just the way I was wired. I, mm. I, I didn't just listen to rock music. I listened to all different kinds of music. I just love, I love the whole gambit of, of music, right. every part of it. So instruments or tools, I don't care if I, I come up with maybe something really cool to play, but if it doesn't fit the song, it's not staying. It's going away. I, I don't right. have any problem with any of that, any problem at all. Do Do you so. see the 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 kind of heart and soul of people like George Martin in modern music? Do you find that there are there's there's those styles of producers? Well, there's one person I like a lot, and that's Jack White, because oh. because He's disruptive. He's got great sensibilities. He plays a bunch of instruments. He's not afraid. No, no you know, no. and uh, he's a he's. I just I I really like where he goes with things. It's unexpected. You know, there's a disruptive part of music which I always liked. I, I like to be that disruptor. I can't tell you how many songs I recorded, handed into the record company, and they said we're not going to release it. I said. Not going to change it. <laughs> and then eventually they would release it. Sure. I'm a hit because I refused to change it because I, in my heart, I knew it was right. You know, it's the same thing like with bourbon when we do the tastings and, uh, you know, we they got all these different taste profiles. So they send me these bottles and or if yeah. I'm in person with them, I do, you know, I get the nose, I taste it. No, nah, that's not white. You know, and then you hit the one that's that you think is great. Right. And. And the part of a music thing that's really interesting, too, is you can't fool yourself. And you try to. Many times, I was in a studio, I, we cut a track, no matter who it is, you know, what I do with Patricia or John Wade or Kenny Loggins and all these people that I work with, the Delords, all these people. You, you kind of want to go, yeah, I think it's going to be good. <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be a hit. It... I, I don't know. I think it's, once you start doing that, Forget it. The, you know, at least I try to do that. You know when it is, it's going to work. You just walk sure. out and go, that's it. Not changing a thing. <laughs> so let's, let's let's talk about your journey with bourbon as well. Yeah. Uh, when when did that kind of start for you? What 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 was the point where bourbon became it, or or you know distilled whiskey became it for you? Okay, we have to go back to the very beginning when I was four years old, five years old. <laughs> Here we go. Grandpa we go. Nunzio, who came from Bronte, Catania, Sicilia. My grandmother and grandfather came to this country, went to New York first, was there for a while, and then eventually went to Cleveland because there was more jobs and more work there. So anyway, he had a still in his basement, and he would make grappa. He mm -hmm. would make whiskey, wine. He did everything down there. And he'd I'd sit in his lap, Nilo, Nilo. He'd call me, here, try a little. And five years old, I'm drinking Brotgut whiskey, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then my father took that on. He started making wine, you know, from all kinds of stuff, plums, grapes. My sure. neighborhood I lived, one side of the street was all Sicilian. The other side was Ukrainian. We oh, always wow. had... Uh, my neighbor, uh, I couldn't pronounce his name, so I called him Mr. Jim. He lived to be about 100 years old. And uh, he would make his own wine, and my mother would go, oh, you got to go pick Mr. Jim up. He fell down because he was on a stoop and fell. So I'd go pick him up, and he'd, his glass would be empty. He'd go, pour me some more, pour me some more. He'd go, here for you. And I would drink 
the wine. <laughs> so um, I, I like I like spirits. So that was my very very beginning was that. Um, and then how we came up with steel bending spirits, where I'm at now with this sure. is that um, I write. Uh, Besides writing songs, I write screenplays and sure. treatments in, in different, various different ways of of, um, of entertainment that way because I love writing. I do it in the mornings. I, I love it like crazy. So I was working on a screenplay that was not a documentary, almost like a hybrid in a way, right? Mm -hmm. So I posted on social media that I was thinking about doing this. Well, a friend of mine got a hold of me, speed the story up. A year later, he goes, are you ever going to do this? I go, okay, let's meet. So I meet him. His name is Brian Canning. He's one of the founders mm -hmm. with me of the company. And um, he says, well, why don't we get a whiskey or, or bourbon company to, to give us some seed money so we can make a trailer? And if we can do a trailer, we can get Because I, I wasn't trying to make a high-budget uh, film. I was trying to sure. an independent film, right? Mm -hmm. So I met him, and I said to him, I said, well, why don't we just start our own company? Why do that? And he looked at me. He laughed because he knows I'm insane, you know, like this. <laughs> so I said... Why don't we do it? He goes, are you serious? I go, yeah. So on May 16th, 2016, Steel Bending Spirits was born. I had the name. It just came to me. Sure. Steel Bend. I'm a Steel Bender. Steel Bending Spirits. Great. So the first incarnation was called Steel Bending Bourbon. And I just, it just, the sound of it was just awful. Sure. Who would drink sure. a Steel Bending Bourbon? You know, it's like <laughs> metal and horrible, right? So, so. It's, it's important to know the, the evolution of where the company went. So I was trying to come up with a name for a bourbon because I wanted to have a spirit that was challenging, a difficult mm -hmm. one. Because people say, once I started, they go, why don't you just do a vodka, do a gin, you know, do something. I go, no, 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 no. I want to challenge myself because here's what I do, Perry. I challenge the listener always. I never dumb down an audience, ever. I challenge them. I want them to hear what I'm doing and go, what the heck is he doing? And then go, I think I get it. Oh, I get it. I love it. All right. So challenge, right? Challenge. Absolutely. So when we scoured the country for distillers, we, we ended up with uh, Ari Zussman. And as soon as I met him, shook his hand, gave him a hug. I knew he was the guy. He was just as dis disruptive in the blending and spirits as I am in music. Mm -hmm. And the correlation between the two are, are identical, you know, and when he was telling me, you know, I can do some some difficult, not difficult, do some intricate, uh, different ideas of blending to get you what you want. So so I started putting the whole team together with all these different people, right? And uh, I'm going to give a, I'm going to give you their names because I like to mention that in any Please. podcast. Yeah, absolutely. These, absolutely. These people are the people that make this thing run. Uh, I love teams. I love teams. Yes. I love sports and I love music and I love everybody has a place and it's very, very important. We're all equal in the team. So I'll give you the names in a second. So the disruptive part, I really, I loved. And every time I talk with Ari, we'd, we'd have so much of a synergy between the ideas of blending, trying different things. We, our proprietary uh, programs that we use to blend, to bring out that Van Lynn and that beautiful nose um, to me, don't have a bourbon, don't have a spirit if the nose is bad. Absolutely. Now, you are aware of grappa, I'm sure, right? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> grappa can have some really rough, rough nose, right? It's funky. <laughs> real bad, real, real bad. So I'm going to guarantee 
you, Perry, and anyone that's listening, that I'm going to do a vodka that's going to smell really good. And it's going to taste really good. Somewhere down the line, in honor of Nunzio, my grandfather. Actually, we have the name. It's called Nunzio's Basement. Oh, amazing. Yeah, that's Nunzio's amazing. Basement. And that'll be the whole story of the rollout of my Sicilian grandfather. You might so actually I, make a vodka drinker out of Fred Minnick at that point. Too, oh, so. you know, when I did, when I did Fred Minnick's podcast, it was so funny. I was talking about it. He goes, well, what else you got down the line? I says, well, I'm going to be doing this, and I also have a vodka. He goes, what? No. <laughs> and then he started to show me all the vodka socks. And his, you know, <laughs> the, your Fred impression is spot on, by the way. That that's is, exactly what he did. That's wonderful. <laughs> and I, said, I said, Fred, let me just tell you something. I'm an honest guy. I believe in integrity. I'm not pulling it back. If I said I'm going to do it, you're going to get it. You're going to try it. Oh, that's absolutely. It. So, absolutely. So the disruptive part was was real fun with Ari because we really, we really had a strong tie together, him and I, and we talk about it all the time. We talk about he always asks, well, what is it like mixing a record? Because you write a song, you arrange that song, you get the players or you play it yourself, you get the parts, you record that song, you produce the song, you mix the song, then you master the song. So by the time all this process is done and you're listening to it, out of your phone. (laughs) So um, (laughs) it's a big process, but it's the same. It's really the same thing. You know, we have these processes and blends that we're able to take some young bourbons and just in through our process kind of speed up. You know, for sure, the, 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 the aging of it, which brings out that vanilla, that beautiful uh, flavor and nose, which I, I love. Um, you know, I, I'm happy. I'm proud that to, to say that we're blenders. I really am. I, sure. I think the Scottish have been doing it forever. You know, it's there's nothing oh, wrong absolutely. with it. And and here's the thing, too. We respect tradition. I do in music. All the kudos I give it to Robert Johnson, Buddy Guy, Son House. Name them, name them, name them, right? Absolutely. Name them all. If without those folks, there'd be no rock music in this country. No. Nowhere out of, in the world. Okay, very important. Um, so um, I like to be disruptive. And it's in Jack White's disruptive. That's why I like him. He's, you know, not afraid. You can't be afraid, you know. Uh, it, just have no fear. Speaking of Jack White in that way, absolutely reminds me of the the way that he presented himself in It Might Get Loud. Oh, it's great. Great film, yeah. But, but just pitting him up against the edge. Mm-hmm. You've got Jack White, who is just down to earth, just going to, to beat the living crap out of his guitar to get the best right. sound out of it. Correct. But then on the opposite end of it, there's the edge who is pulling all these beautiful sounds and, and, and notes out of the the digital the produced side of, of the playing guitar yeah, absolutely absolutely yeah and just just thinking about jack talking about how you can't hide when you've got less effects correct on your pedal board correct, <laughs> correct. you are you are stripped bare and shown to the world that's where and, you're at and it, it, it's interesting to me thinking about the the way that you approach the blending process with that in mm-hmm. mind as well that you are very you it sounds like you are very forward about what it is that's in the glass what it is that's in the bottle no question but, but still creating something that is so unique 
to to your your product your blend where did the 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 final product of three chord hit how did that happen were you, were you, was it just a eureka moment or were you kind of like going well maybe it's this maybe it's that what what was that process like for you all okay so um in ann arbor <laughs> where our you know master distiller is he says i want to take you to this club and we're going to do some taste profiles let's let's go through and test some bourbons sure i'm the first guy that's going to tell you in a spirits company that i'm learning something every new every day i know how to drink yeah you know I, I can drink whiskey and i can like it and not like it and all those other things and talk about it but i, I of all the people in the company i know the very least and sure. i keep asking them for because I want to learn. I, I love knowledge. I learn all the time. I love that. Um, so we went to this bar and there was about six of us. And the bartender, uh, it was close to the pour different pours. Well, let's try this one. So these guys, they're like, you know, big, <laughs> I'm taking a little sip of it going, <laughs> no, that's too sweet. Or no, this is too harsh. And they go, that's a hug. Okay, too much hug. I don't like that. Or you know, this one's way too sweet or, oh, I don't like the nose on this. I don't like. So we go through about 17 of these. Okay. We get to the end. Bartender pours it. I look at it. Hmm. Take a nose. Hmm. Take a sip. I look at Ari. I go, that's the one. That is exactly what I want. I said, why didn't you do that first? He goes, he goes like this. He goes, he looks at the bartender and says, why did you have to pour him the 16-year-old Hirsch? <laughs> So oh, I said, no. that's what I want. <laughs> and then Ari just went, oh, my God, he was taking <laughs> So that's what we were trying to achieve well, uh, with, the, with the very first one. So, um, so believe it or not, I actually knew what I wanted. And, sure. um, and everybody agreed. They all said that would be something. Because, you know, it's got that vanilla and, um, you know, and and we're a young company, so we just start, started with our our first blend. Then we went to our uh, 12-year reserve, which got a 94 rating, which is spectacular. Then yeah. we got the rye. Now we got a strange collaboration. The other thing I wanted to do, too, with the spirits company is I wanted to make it a full-service spirits company. I just didn't want to have one product. Right, right. So I'm going to take you back a step on this because this is – uh, fun and people like to hear how the name came about. Okay. So <laughs> I kept coming up with all these goofy names, you know, and they were all taken and, uh, and, st and steel bending bourbon was awful. That was my very first one. I was just, <laughs> that was a bad idea to begin with. So, so we're going through these titles and I'm getting really depressed and I'm wondering if I should even be doing this. Right. And, and my, uh, trademark attorney says, you know, the problem you're having is that the best one didn't happen yet. I thought about it. And I went, Okay, he goes, yeah, the best one just hasn't happened. So I went to sleep. I woke up the next day. First thing in the morning, I went, three-chord bourbon. Three chords in the truth. Three chords integrity. in the truth, absolutely. I want a company that has integrity. I want to encourage sipping and conversation. Sure. Not that there's anything wrong with jumping on tables and everything else, but <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to respect the moment, sip, enjoy conversation. So he right. says, let me, let me make a few checks here and I'll get back to you. And I was able to get it. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. And then we got Amplify Rye. And then Whiskey Drummer, when I heard the true story about what Whiskey Drummer is, the, what a Whiskey Drummer is, 
you know, prohibition, you know, ends, you know, and then the, 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 the guy's going down the street with a giant drum banging and going, whiskey is now being served. <laughs> whiskey drummer. Fabulous. And I cleared that one, too. I, I couldn't believe that wasn't taken. Sure. So I just I'm very fortunate. You know, what was your initial trajectory like? I mean, I know that you said that you wanted to be full service, but was was there any point where you said, I want this specific bourbon product? I want uh, another one to come out that's older, uh, appeals to, Correct. you know, a different audience. Where what, what, were your, what were your thoughts as you were kind of getting everything off the ground? Yes, I'll tell you exactly what they were. Um, even though the Hirsch, I, I believe, was the, the, was the best bourbon that we had that night, and that's exactly what I wanted. That was sure. exactly what I wanted. So, of course, now... How are you going to get a 16-year-old bourbon, you know, to taste? <laughs> okay, there's some complications with that. Anyway, yeah, of course. So what I wanted is I wanted an introductory product. And I thought, let's start easy. Let's start with a low-proof blend. Let's just start with it. Start. Let's start somewhere. Because the hardest thing about anything, writing a song, is starting. Putting a band together, starting. You know that. Hardest That's thing about doing a podcast, you got to start. Got to start. Right? And then, and then fall where it falls and go where it needs to go. So... Mm-hmm. We started with the blend, and what did I? What I wanted to do too, is, I wanted women, and I know there's bourbon clubs for women. I want them to enjoy it. I know a lot of times if the hug is too much, it pushes people away, and I also wanted a bourbon that could be used for for drinks, to cocktails. Even though I like it neat, that's my favorite thing. So sure. that's that was the trajectory. Start with the blend, and then, and I told them right after I says. Guys, this is good and it's working for me, but I, we need to kick it up. Let's kick it. Right. I want a big hug. You know. I, I apologize. My, my cat tail? came. That's my cat came to visit. <laughs> what are you doing? I guys? like it. He likes. <laughs> wait, so I I just started a full time remote position this week, and he thinks that when I'm out here working, that's his time to come and and Dang. be with me. So yeah. <laughs> at any any time I come out here now, it's it's. Berlioz's space, and I'm I just think it visiting. was the bourbon in the glass was what he was coming out for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Get a little taste. <laughs> Apologies for the interruption. No but, worries. Um, it's good. I yeah. like it. It's great. Um, so that was the idea. Then, uh, even even when we had uh, the 12 year old at 12 bar uh, reserve, I says, guys, I want a I want a big Kentucky. I want a big. Even though there's Kentucky in the 12 year, and there's, there's some Kentucky yeah. in the blend too as well. I says, I want. I want a Kentucky Owl. I want a Hirsch. <laughs> and I got to tell you, whiskey drummer to me, I think we really, really nailed it. I believe. I think it's a spectacular bourbon. Spectacular. It it seems like people are definitely in agreement with you on on that too. It it seems like it's just been nothing but praise for whiskey drummer, and and you know, I definitely applaud you all for that. And uh, I I'd love. I still have not gotten to try it yet. Oh, we got, I, I wish you would have had it before it. this. So you, I'm telling you, I don't have to say anything. It sells itself. <laughs> I, I can't, we can't get enough. We can't keep enough sure. in. I, I, I love the review we got. We gave, they gave us, there was two negative reviews. One is it costs a little more than I would like to spend. The other one is I can't get it. <laughs> so if that's a negative review, so I'll take them all day long. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know? That's a, yeah, no, I, if, if any chance of a sample being sent, please. Well, I'll make sure of it. I'll <laughs> yeah, make please. sure of it. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll get you a sample. You should have we'll, it. Uh, 
yeah we'll uh we'll do a you know a tasting when this episode comes out as well and uh mm-hmm. you know do a do a little follow-up for sure yeah but uh, you'll love it uh, oh i'm i'm extremely excited extremely excited to get to try it so uh but that leads me to one thing i want to add to this too is that sure. um when the company began uh i have a a very soft spot spot for in my heart for musicians and the struggles that oh they of course have. and with covid which made it even more extreme. You know, you go to the club, you usually bring your guitar, your sticks, you come in there, the doors open, you do a sound check, people come in, you get paid, you leave. Right. Doors closed, can't get in, right? So even before that happened, I wanted to do a give back program. And we started one, what's called the Music Ambassadorship through Three Chord. And that started from day one. And we were doing, uh, during COVID, doing tip jars, for performances on Zooms and things like that. We were doing Three Chord stages before COVID, which we'll do once, they open up the bars and stuff where we pay for the entertainment, pay for the band, and then they serve three-quart bourbon there. So we it's we, we shake each other's hands. You know, we try to get the our message across, and and uh, we're involved with blue societies. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I found out that Sun House didn't have a gravestone. I mean, that, that this how could this even be in this? Wow. Yeah. I so they were That's... able to get a, a gravestone for Sun House and, and just things like that that are important, you know, to me. And um, I want the company to be very success- successful. I'd love to see it be a $500 million company or whatever. Sure. But I don't want to wait until that, God willing, to be give a give back. I want it to start immediate. And that's there, what we do. There, there sounds like this overwhelming sense of preservation almost. Mm-hmm. Right? Not just with, to. yeah, not just with, with, with history, but with, uh, you know, those who are working to, to, create something for themselves in this this day and age and well you have to there's not enough united Uh, you know it's called the united states let's unite people don't ignite unite people you know i I always said that you know it's always better to give a gift to somebody than to receive one when you give a gift you feel so good yeah help people you know Mm -hmm. there should be more music music was taken out of the schools I, i mean the arts should be everywhere. It makes people feel good. How many people that you run into? My, my, I mean, I'm 65 years old. You know, I've been playing professionally. When I started Rick Derringer, I just turned 22. I was 21 years old. Sure. And, and from that day forward, how many times people come up and go, when I hear that song that you did, it reminds me, you know, it helped me through this, helped me through that. I got divorced when I heard it. Or, you know, it's, there's all yeah. kinds of methods, you know. Yeah. So I like that. That's important to me. You you also have had the the opportunity to write for so many incredible musicians as mm-hmm. well, and you're married to a wonderful performer, sure too. Mm-hmm. Um, it it it's so. Let me find the right way to phrase this. Sure. That feeling of the the stars aligning. Of everything coming into place and you just go got it we're good and you just kind of you kind of go from there did you ever feel that did you ever get that sense mm-hmm. and and i and i know that we we talked about the you know the aha moments with with recordings but yeah. did, did you just ever feel like you were ready to, to just power through it mm-hmm and to just continue doing what you were doing, no matter what. Sure, but along the line, you take a few punches. It it always happens, but sure. it starts and ends with one thing. 
the Yi Ching. Mm. When I was when I was about fourteen years old, I'm writing a book, and all this stuff is in the book, but much more detail. When I was fourteen sure. years old, uh, this I had a girlfriend that went to California from Cleveland. She came back. She goes, "There's two things I want. I want to tell you that I I found out in California are great. Number one is an avocado, lettuce, tomato." mayonnaise swiss cheese rye bread sandwich she says if you have one of these it's going to be one of the greatest things in the world i went wow great and she made me one i go that was fantastic then she says i discovered a book it's called the Yi ching and it can predict your future it could put you on the path a spiritual path of of goodness and it teaches you how to 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 be the superior man even though you never get there but you just keep trying to attain that right sure so we threw the coins and did it, and we, she did a little bit of it. I put the book away for a while. I brought it back, and it's much more in detail in my book. I won't go into it because it's, it's pretty remarkable that it, it happened. Sure. But if it wasn't for the spiritual learning from that book, I would have never, I don't believe I would have ever gotten to where I am today. It's all on account of that. That's an, an, an incredible thing to be able to look back and go, that was it. Yeah. That was the thought. That was the moment. And and just knowing that everything was not necessarily uphill, but in a positive trend. Sure. For you at, at that point. I'm really sorry. He's not just... a cat's great. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I don't know. Like I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll have to cut out the the initial part of it. But no, he's leave just, it in there. Leave he's it. just made his made himself known that's cool he's, he's hanging, hanging. He's yeah hanging this was so we uh I'll pull back the curtain a little bit um as of three weeks ago uh we welcomed our first child we oh congratulations our, thank you we welcomed our daughter into the world and um the the space that is now her nursery was my studio where i'd go and record the podcast and that right. was you know where i got to be creative and um you know, I, I always knew that I was going to have to forfeit that when our first child came. And so I retreated to the new studio, which is our garage. And it was initially the cat's space, too. <laughs> so I feel like I've been in, I've, I'm invading their territory. Wow. Their You're kingdom. getting moved out, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. But uh, he, he's, he is very happy that I'm here, out here as much as I am. I see that. No, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's wonderful, wonderful <laughs> I love that. Anyway, back on topic. I apologize. Yeah, no problem. Um, let, let's talk about, too, speaking of this this upwards and onwards trajectory. Mm -hmm. Correct. You're wanting to continue to innovate while still being true to the roots tradition. of bourbon, to yeah. tradition. Absolutely. Correct. Correct. So what does the future of, of, of steel bending look like? To you. The future, I think, is exploring uh, even more things like cognac, different barrel systems, different barrel programs of all different types of things. We're doing a, a honey barrel uh, with the, with a great has a great story as well with this guy that loves bees and he, he's, he has a real job, but he became a bee person and yeah. we're using his barrels and we're doing bourbon and barrel honey barrels and, oh. and I mean it, 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 it's wide open. And I'm not afraid of anything. I, sure. I, I'm really not afraid. If somebody goes, well, that's kind of like, that's too cute or whatever. Yeah, you try it and you <laughs> let me know. Okay. <laughs> Bill Meads had success with it. So, yeah. I so, mean. Listen, it's, it all comes down. Any great 
distiller, a historic distiller, will tell you one thing. The most important thing is, what does it taste like? That's it. Bottom line. For sure. You could be clever. You could be cute. You could try all kinds of different things like that. You could try all whatever it is. That's not what we do. We're, we're just trying to create a great product for everyone. We want to sip and engage conversation. What, what's your... Uh... What's your, your, your bourbon consumption and music creation relationship? Any, uh, well, let's see. any at all? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, do you find yourself getting more inspired to, to write and play music the, the more that you've had to had drink? to drink? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, no. Um, one thing I never did is uh, on stage, I never play live. I would never drink while I'm on stage. But as soon as the show would be done, I would drink and maybe have cigarettes. When I smoked, I used to smoke a pack a day, but sure. only at night after the gig, right? Right. <laughs> so I would never drink before. Uh, even recording, I don't like drinking at all. Um, I'll tell you a little story. We... I made this record in, oh, I can't remember now, probably about 10 years ago. Oh, no, maybe more than that. Anyway, finished mixing it. was really happy with it. It was great. And the engineer is a great engineer. He's this English guy. And he goes, shall we have a drink? <laughs> Listen. I go, great. I go, you like grappa? He goes, sure. So I, I started pouring the grappa. He goes, let's listen to it. So I cranked it up. I was in the back lounge, and we were drinking it. And as we're drinking and I'm listening to the record, I'm going, oh, my God, this is horrible. It oh. sounds horrible. <laughs> it's too fast. The temples are all off. Oh, oh my God. Because the metabolism, your metabolism was changing. Absolutely. I was ripped. I mean, really ripped. And so was he. <laughs> it was terrible. I was so depressed. I, I went, went back into the house. I went, I think I screwed the record up. The whole record is horrible. But then yeah. in the morning when I woke up, it sounded great. So <laughs> no, I learned then that no. Never yeah. listen. Never drink and <laughs> No, you're one of your worst enemies is you inebriated. Oh, <laughs> in in any sense of the well, here's here's the thing too is that when you're re when you're playing as a a band and yeah, I call it the buddy system. When I go in mm -hmm. the record track, um, I play a lot of instruments. A lot of times I play them all. But when I'm playing with like a drummer, uh, it's the buddy system. We play together at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. I make a mistake, we go from the beginning. If he makes a mistake, we go to the beginning. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So having not having that safety net makes you, I don't, it's, it's scary. It's Hyper aware. It's cool, <laughs> yeah. And we've, I've done some really cool stuff that way. I really like that. So yeah. um, I don't know, just part of me, you know, it's what I like. <laughs> are, you, are you excited? And I, I'm sure you are, as I am too, to get back out and start playing again once I am. things settle down? Well, I am, but but truthfully, I, I'd rather just be Brian Wilson. I'd rather just be home writing and producing. You know, Brian, to me, is a genius, you know. That's another one. You know, instead yeah. of liking the band or whatever, I, I like Brian Wilson. I like Sam Phillips, you know, George right. Martin. He'd go on and on and on, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't really, I, I know the people like it, and I don't mind, I don't. I like going out and playing, but uh, I'd rather just stay home in my, when I, if I turn this around, I have, this is one studio, I have another one in another house, but this one right. is more of like a writing suite. Sure. And it's a capsule. 
I got everything. I got keyboards here. I got guitar here. And, you know, it's controls, <laughs> microphones. Yeah. Who who are you? Uh, we we of course talked about Jack White, but who are you listening to these days? Maybe a uh, you know. Pavarotti. Say it again. I'm sorry. Pavarotti. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm real diverse. <laughs> That's a different I, headspace. <laughs> yeah, I I go into all kinds of directions like that. I I I try not to listen to too much of what's going on at the moment. Um, I like to listen to all different diverse type music. Sure. Uh, because I don't, I don't, I don't really want to be influenced in any way by anything. If right. that makes any sense. I'd yeah, rather just let it be background. Sure. Noise. Sure. Sound. Bill Evans. I love jazz. So, oh. uh, and I love, uh, Cal Basie, Duke Ellington, you know, Bill Evans, forget about it. So, uh, you know, that stuff I, I love. I'm, I'm, oh re-entering my miles davis phase (laughs) which is it's it's the easiest phase to slip back into you know because it's it's so familiar i mean same with any favorite artist once it becomes familiar you just kind of (laughs) you find your way back to it and you know it's a nice little nice little happy place for a well, while. here's the thing with the Miles Davis. Uh, why, why can't I think of his name now? Since I like, you know, Sam Phillips and Brian Wilson, all these people. Who's the guy that, that made a couple records for Miles that I love so much? Who's the guy? Evans. His, his last name's Evans, right? Um, yes. Oh, I, can't, I can't think of his name right now. It's, I can't either. <laughs> but that guy. Yeah. You're talking sketches of Spain in a silent way. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Phenomenal stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, you can crawl inside of that big time. Yeah. <laughs> and Miles was a guy that, that you know, taught you to, it's not what you play, it's what you leave out. So those little spaces, those little gaps of air, of, yeah. of no sound, is, is big. Yeah. It's big. Yeah. I think that uh, we've, kind of, we've kind of naturally come to the end of our, our little space here. Together. But i got to give my names to my team. Yes, please do. I totally forgot about that. Let us know who are your your Yeah, here's here's cohorts. our team. It starts uh, it starts with my daughter, Hannah Geraldo, who's uh, <laughs> actually I have I just uh, had her join the company about 2 months ago and she does all the social media and everything like that and she's phenomenal. She's a phenomenal oh. gifted uh, songwriter, top line writer, melody, just super talented, great wow. actress. So you, if you check her out, uh Hannah Geraldo, she has a YouTube channel, all these things sure. she does these skits and she just did a, a commercial for three chord which is no really kidding. which is great huh. too yeah so she's super cool uh tony de young who to me i believe is a genius he's he's phenomenal he knows so many things so i call him professor tony everybody gets a nickname <laughs> at some point then we got uh, ryan gill who's a, a foot soldier phenomenal you know this guy is brilliant as well michael nanula um social media stuff laura webb uh one of our our foot soldiers too megan reckling ari zussman's our this master distiller, Rich Jones, phenomenal out of Jersey, Debbie Lenoye, who does the office work, um, Brian Canning, who is, you know, uh, co-founder with me, uh, Barry Booken, who's, uh, as an agent and who set mm-hmm. this one up too, yeah. like that tremendous guy. He's so nice. I call him evil Barry. <laughs> he's the nicest guy. Anytime you call me, go, 
Hello, Neil. It's oh. like, that's why I call him evil, evil Derek. I can't believe that, you, that, that the booking agent actually had booking in his name. I know. I, I'm sure he gets it all the time. but All the time. Yeah, Barry Booking. You know, it's, it's almost like a fake name. It's like a South Park name or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, then uh, Bass Reeves, who's, um, who's a really interesting guy. He was a songwriter at one time. Um, he's involved in the music ambassadorship too. Great guy. Mm-hmm. And then Paul Nanula, who's... Uh, part of the Nula family, which a lot of those guys are all part of our company as well. So, wonderful, it's a great, great team. I You've got a team. great group of people behind you, and and you know, with with that vision for the future of of three chord as well. Yeah, Thank absolutely you. fantastic, and yeah, can't wait them. to see can't wait to see where you all continue to to grow with three chord. Uh, Thank you so much. I could prick, pick your brain all day about yeah, about you. music. I truly could. Um, but uh, I do have a baby that I should yeah. <laughs> probably what, go What's see the exact day. birth date of the baby? When was uh, 10, 15, 20. August 15th? No, 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 no. October. October 15th. Oh, wow. October 15th. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was 10, 15, 20, which just, we were like, ah, we'll hopefully never forget that. But That's phenomenal. <laughs> I love that. 10, 15, 20. Good for you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it was I... it, 2, 2.50 a.m. Two fifty a.m. Yes, she she came into the world and I like this. Here we here we are now. Oh, you're gonna love it. I, I, let me just tell you this: children are great. I, I've always wanted children ever sure. since I was a child. Yeah, I have two daughters. Um, I was surrounded with females. Uh, my housekeeper's female. My dogs are female. You know, <laughs> it, it just it just went on and on. But let me just tell you: being a grandparent, that everything they say about that. You're a long way from that. Let me tell you, my friend. <laughs> I would hope but so. Grandparent, being a grandparent, you like them more than you like your children. <laughs> no. <laughs> my, really. my, my dad, my dad is just, and he, he just loves being a grandfather. I, yeah. I mean, like he, he is just over the moon about it. By the way, he, he told me, uh, because he's a big Neil Giraldo fan as well. He told me to tell you hello. His, oh, name, cool. his name's David. Oh, I <laughs> you guys sit together and sip on some bourbon together? Or? All the time. All oh, the time. He's, he's who, it, when, when I talk about, you know, origin stories, I guess, he is really who introduced my love of music and my love of bourbon. Because oh, nice. he was a, a maker's drinker for the longest time. Or, you know, if it, if it wasn't maker's that was sitting on the on the bar it was woodford um and then he'd kind of switch it up here and there but once i started getting into bourbon i started going dad but have you ever had elijah craig <laughs> which is a wheat bear yeah wheat yeah more wheatish yeah yeah but you know just in 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 different different aspects of it you know it, in the same way that you know you tell people people about a new album that you, they've got to listen to or a new artist that they've discovered. As soon as I started getting into bourbon, I was like, oh, you got to try this, 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 and this. And, you know, he just, it completely changed the game for him, for him too. Well, you're going to love, you're going to love so. the relationship with your father, with your grand, with his granddaughter. Oh, absolutely. You're going to love it. Absolutely. The idea of sipping together. And then when they start talking and, oh man, it's just, it, it is <laughs> really the best. You're, you're the actual, you're the actual people i'm going for that that the, the conversation you know for enjoy sure. life you just had yeah. a baby yeah. experience it celebrate it you know and and we'll do plenty of that while drinking three quart as well that's exactly right so. and i'll get you to sample the whiskey drummer please please but i'm gonna tell you this it's gonna blow your mind i believe you 
It is going to blow you. your mind. I, I tell you, I like Kentucky Owl. I love Kentucky Owl, but I love Whiskey Drummer more. It is phenomenal. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Dixon that uh, you them's fighting words. So <laughs> <laughs> there's room for everybody. Oh, of course. No, tell tell him I really enjoy the 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 product. Whiskey, I, I you know Kentucky Owl is phenomenal. Oh yeah, really phenomenal. Scott, I mean I. I wanted to go after that profile too. I told <laughs> Professor Tony when we had it at the place called Rarities. You ever hear of that place in New York? Sounds familiar. Yes, it's yeah. in the Lot Palace Hotel. Okay, and uh, the the guy there, um, Justin, Justin, yeah, I think it's Justin. Mm -hmm. um, he's he tried our twelve bar, and he goes, "Boy, you got you guys, you got something here like that." And 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 then Professor Tony says, "Give us some Kentucky Owl. I want to show." He calls me Papa G. He says, "I want to call. Let's." <laughs> Papa Dreech, I, I tried So I took a sip and I went, hmm, I like that. <laughs> Tony, we got to get something like this. And so it was his inspiration, your friend That's there. incredible. At Kentucky yeah, yeah. Hall, so, Wonderful. Yeah. Neil, thank you so much for sitting down with me, my friend. This has been wonderful. Thanks really for inviting getting, me, Terry. Absolutely. Great getting to, to chat with you about not just bourbon, but music. Like I said, we could I could shoot the shoot the breeze all day about <laughs> music and then i can start giving you fatherly advice that comes next so with that was hey I, i'm i'm here for it man <laughs> neil thank <laughs> you so much one. buddy <laughs> thanks barry i appreciate it. appreciate it yeah have a good night pal once again a huge huge thank you to neil for sitting down with me uh, and chatting about bourbon and music and just being an awesome, genuine person in general. I'm so, so thankful uh, that I got to have this opportunity. This was really kind of set up, uh, or this wouldn't have been initiated without listener of the show, friend of the show, Donnie Webb. Uh, you might also know him as at the Linux Cat uh, on some of those live streams and, and stuff like that. And I really appreciate it. If you guys have anything else that you would like to hear from me, I guess, in this kind of vein, reach out. If you have some good ideas for interviews, you have some ideas uh, for guests of the show, let me know. I'm, I'm always open to reaching out to the community and bringing new people into this space. It's always so much fun for me, making new connections, meeting new friends. And I cannot, again, thank you enough. Neil, what a, what a spectacular time. What a great time we got to have together. How about some tips and bits before we wrap this up? It's our recommendation segment of the show where I let people know whether or not they should check out some things that I've been enjoying recently. And this week, I, I haven't recommended this before, and I, I feel like it's a good time for it, but... And it's because they're getting into their second season, which is very good as well. But their first season, it's a show called Finding Drago. And basically, the, the, the whole premise behind the show is that there's this book that one of the hosts found that was kind of the what happened to Ivan Drago. Drago? What did I say earlier? I think I said Drago earlier. Ivan Drago was probably Drago. Uh, after the events of Rocky IV. And you wouldn't think that this story would have the twists and turns, the ups and downs, the zigs and zags that it does, but it's so well-crafted in its story and is so much fun and getting to the heart of this mystery behind who the author was 
for this book is so rewarding. And I, I promise you, once you get to the end of it, you won't, you won't regret it. And as I said before to their second season, which is called Finding Desperado, and I'm not going to get too much into that one because it is, it, it, the, the story is still kind of developing, but it is another kind of lost tale to history mystery. And I think that they're doing some really, really great things. So go check out Finding Drago, or Drago, however you want to pronounce it, and its follow-up season, Finding Desperado, and just report back. It's a great listen. I really enjoy it. And I think you all will as well. That does it for this week's episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow up with me personally, I am at PRitter1492 on all social media channels. If you, follow, if you want to follow up with the show, it's at My Bourbon Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can leave us a five-star rating and review on the iTunes podcast app. And this week we do have a new review. And by the way, if you leave us a review, I'll actually read it out here on air. Good, bad, ugly, supportive, detrimental, whatever. I will actually read it out here on the show because why the heck not? We can only take ourselves too seriously, I suppose. But this one comes from K Slacker. The title not douchey, five stars. There are many podcasts that I listen to that make me a better man and push me. This is not one of them. Solid start there, K-Slacker. <laughs> this is just enjoyable mind candy, and I look forward to it all week. Perry and Swan are very enjoyable to listen to. It's difficult to talk about bourbon without being douchey and snobby or drunk and incoherent. But... They pull it off in a way that feels like chilling with your friends. They each have distinct opinions that are definitely not quote-unquote bought by distillers. Sometimes I accidentally learn some things and become better anyway. K-Slacker, thank you so much for leaving that review. Actually, one of my favorite reviews that we've gotten on the show. He really started punching a little low, and by the time he kind of punched evenly, I would say. I don't know. Regardless, thank you for that review. You can find all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com. I think there's a sale going on there at the moment. Might be over by the time this episode comes out, but I also might. You know, we could extend We could extend it to like a Black Friday sale. I mean, why the heck not? Give people something to look for for their holiday shopping. Get some bourbon apparel, some bourbon merchandise for their friends, family, and bourbon drinkers alike. You can also join our Facebook group. You just head to facebook.com and search for This Is My Bourbon Group. That's where our pregame chats, uh, the questions for them come from. Uh, and I ask those every Monday before we record, and then we answer them on patreon.com slash podcast. More on that in a minute. You can send us questions or comments or thoughts or concerns to thisismyburbanshop at gmail.com. Love hearing from listeners of the show and respond to those uh, letters here on air. Uh, I go live every Thursday evening, usually at youtube.com slash that's my bourbon podcast at about eight o'clock Eastern time here in the United States. Oh gosh, what else? I know I'm missing something. Uh, maybe I'm not. Maybe the last thing is just Patreon. That's patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast, where you can become a supporter of the show for as little as a dollar a month. And for as little as $5 a month, you get all of the bonus content that is associated uh, with that website, but not limited to some of the higher tiers as well, where you can get things like free shirts, 
You get some exclusive chats, some info on what's coming up with the show, and also here very soon, we're going to be introducing a barrel pick tier, which I'm very excited for you guys to be a part of. So once again, patreon.com slash podcast. And we appreciate everybody who is able to be a supporter of the show over there. And if not, we're just happy you guys are here. That does it for this week's episode. Next week, Swan's going to be back. And I can't wait to see him again in person or over the over the phone. Who's to say? <laughs> Once again, thank you to Neil Giraldo for sitting down with me for another excellent conversation on this Mubberman podcast. We will see you all next week. But until then, I'm Perry. And this is my bourbon podcast. Mm-hmm.